think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead. Take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Action fanatics, welcome to a very special edition of the Bulletproof Podcast. I am your host, Chris the Brain. Joining me, as always, my co-host, Chad Cruz. Chad, how are you doing? I'm doing as well as ever, my friend. Well, that's good to hear, and also good to hear, we have a very special guest with us this time out. He's back on the Bulletproof Podcast, Michael Wirth, actor, filmmaker, martial artist, Bruce Ploitation expert. Michael, welcome back. <laughs> expert. I don't know. Well, hey, good to be here, you guys. Good to be here. All right. Well, interestingly enough, as this episode of the podcast drops, it is April 13th, and you have something coming out here today, Michael. It's available. It's the, the Basher Box. You know, it just dawned on me that today was that day. You're right. Absolutely. It's a Basher Box from Pearl River. It's uh, out today. Is it today? I guess it is today. <laughs> yes. Go. Well, good. Yeah. Our th- This is our third and fourth release for the company so uh we're slowly but steadily building them up you know these grassroots uh projects yeah this is a, a double bill you've got the prodigal boxer and the awakened punch and uh how did these two come to be uh become part of pearl river you know it's funny because the company that's the parent company for pearl river is called dci um dc entertainment actually the long i think they're the longest running video distribution company they're the very first one that came out like way back in the early 80s and uh so bob blair who's who runs the show now i uh, came to him because i he had released years ago Bruce's Deadly Fingers on DVD, and it was like this pristine two three five aspect ratio. I was like, where did he get this from? So I I contacted him a couple of years back, and I just said, I was just curious, you know, where you got this because I think a lot of people would like to see it, and you get it tucked away in this old crappy DVD transfer. And he goes, Oh yeah, I own the I own the uh, film print, and I've got a couple others. And I was like, Well, and I just started talking to him, and so. I just said, why don't you give this idea I have a, a run if you want, and we'll start this company that will hopefully blossom into the Criterion Collection of Martial Arts Films. And um, he kind of got into the idea, and um, he had both Prodigal Boxer and uh, The Awakened Punch, also known as Kung Fu Punch of Death and um, <laughs> Fury of the Black Belt. That's their yeah, other titles. Yeah, that one had quite a few titles. Oh, yeah, it's a, they're long-running ones. But um, he had the, uh, a negative of one and a 35-millimeter negative of one and a 35-millimeter print of the other. And, I, and so he really wanted to get them out. And I said, well, look, you know, I go, maybe by themselves, they might not, like, generate a lot of enthusiasm. I said, but if we put them together, because they sort of represent this period 
of, of, of martial arts cinema where we were coming out of this, you know, Wong Fei Hong sort of traditional style and even the Shaw brothers and going into what was what we now know as the Basher era where they were much more um, influenced by the gangster films and the reality of the fact that a fight wasn't necessarily a clicking of swords, but people putting heads through windows and getting stabbed with knives, you know, it was, it was their way of, of, you know, um, incorporating realism into the uh, martial arts and not even necessarily being specifically martial arts. You know, they just wanted that sort of hardcore fighting. And I said, so if we can put them together and do a little context with it and maybe do a few, you know, extras with it, um, I think then it would have some merit to release it. So he was on board and hence we have uh, the Basher box. Yeah. And uh, it's again available now. You can go to Amazon, pick it up. I actually pre-ordered it, even though I have never seen any of these movies. But to me, the Pearl River collection is like the uh, Kung Fu movie sommelier. They know what's good. They know what's good. There you go. I'm going to take, I'm going to taste it. I'm going to check it out. And, uh, (laughs) And yeah, all the special features. I know uh, you and Matthew Whitaker uh, actually do some commentary on one of these. Films. Yes, brought Matthew in on one. He had never seen the film before, so I thought it might be an interesting take to get a, his, you know, he's so used to doing these Bruce Lee exploitation films. I thought, let's bring him on to like an old school kung fu movie. So I, I sort of threw him on with me on the um, Prodigal Boxer. But yeah, I mean, th- th- what's interesting about these films as other films will be releasing is, is that sometimes the films themselves aren't, as we said, generating lots of fan base, mainly sometimes because they just don't know they exist. But right. the the people that are involved in these films, like we got Yun, uh, Yun Wu Ping is doing the fight choreography. You got, you know, who of course does the Matrix movies and Crouching Tiger, et cetera, et cetera. You've got Lao Kar Wing, whose brother Lao Kar Lung was probably the second most notable martial arts um, uh, choreographer of his time at the Shaw Brothers. And then Jackie Chan makes an appearance in The Awakened Punch. You know, it was during when they were shooting Enter the Dragon. So he was probably bopping back and forth. And so they have a lot of context to them. And they are kind of basic, rural, primal films that are just fun to watch, especially if you're interested in, you know, the history of, of this part of cinema. And then we have a couple couple supplements that go into that context a little bit. You know, one of the things that caught my attention in the trailer was that uh, playground fight was not something I would expect to see, but I'm, I'm, <laughs> right. I'm really interested in watching that. Yes. It's a fun movie. It's a, like I said, and you'll, and anybody that watches even the, the Bruce Lee exploitation films are going to notice a lot of the, the character actors from those films in their, you know, this is, but one's I think 73 and the other is 74 uh, or five, maybe I can't really remember, but anyways, they're early on, you know, in the, uh, in the, uh, and actually prodigal boxer is kind of interesting because it's, slightly a segue into the the next sort of incarnation of fight films which was known as the shapes movement where you were getting much more into traditional style snake versus cobra or you know etc cetera, etc cetera, these made-up styles whatever it might be and dealt so deals a lot with the training and the you know learning the style and the coming back and getting beat and coming you know training and coming back so they both have some interesting context and um but they're fun films, you know, and, and they're probably never looked as good. So that's another reason to own these, which is part of the reason I'm enthusiastic about keeping this line going is, is us getting these films that are just disappearing and being destroyed. And it's like I'm, I'm working on transferring prints now. And I'm just like, I mean, we're spending years trying to track these down. And when you finally find one or maybe two and sort of try to match them up together and you're still going, God, these are these are going to be a lot of work to get done. It just makes you realize how they're, they're fading fast, you know, as are the, 
the actors in the films, you know, for us to get right. interviews with them. We're kind of just catching them at the uh, tail end of their, uh, their time here. All right. So yeah, again, this one available right now on Amazon. If you are a fan of the old school Kung Fu theater, you definitely want to check these out. And like Michael said, you've never seen them look as good as they look from Pearl River. Uh, so let's, without any further ado, get into our main topic of discussion. And Chad Cruz, we are talking about U.S. Seals to the Ultimate Force, which will be celebrating its 20th anniversary this year. Oh my but, God, are you kidding me? I can't, <laughs> right, you're right. We're two, you're right, that's right, because we shot it in 2001. Yep. Ooh. Directed by Isaac Florentine and Chad, this one, a new image film. And new image films, um, man. PM Entertainment, Canon, New Image, uh, you know, carried the banner for for action cinema for for so many action fans for for all those years, and I, it really is like you know films like this that came out on video that guys kind of traded back and forth <laughs> amongst their friend groups, and and even recently Isaac Florentine is kind of like you know the guy now in, in uh, direct to video and direct to streaming action movies. So this movie has so many connections from even 20 years ago to now. And then of course we have Michael on. So it's the absolute perfect movie to watch. Absolutely. Yeah. Florentine and Scott Adkins are kind of like a De Niro Scorsese at this point. Yeah. Oh yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> well, actually it was interesting because when we had wrapped this, he was just getting ready to start. Uh, he was special forces, which was Scott's first sort of real leading role. He was playing, I guess, second to Marshall Teague, who was just on the film, you know, on U.S. Seals, and he was moving over to do that one. But I remember right when we were wrapping up and doing posts, that's when I first met Scott, was when he was preparing to do that. Now, I did read something online, Michael, uh, mm-hmm. that you were not a fan of the enhanced sound effects <laughs> that are well. If you, want to go to the, if you want to go to the end first, we can start at the end and work our way back. I, I, I will say that I was... <laughs> you know, you had guys like uh, Southworth and, and Mitch Gould who had, and Sophia um, who had worked with Isaac on Power Rangers. So they were fairly, you know, probably in line already and understanding what was to come. But I had no idea. <laughs> and so when I was I didn't really even catch it until I was in the editing room with him one time. Watch this going. Wait a minute, Isaac, are these temp sound effects or these <laughs> these the ones? So it was, uh, we had, a, he and I had a long going thing with it, but it was great. I mean, it's, it, you know, people love it, you know, in fact, uh, that, just on that topic, just so I can tell you when we screened the movie, which we did in Hollywood, when we screened in Hollywood and Jean-Claude Van Damme was there, there was a, there was a great group of people were there. They all came to see it. And when that, those effects were going, you know, the sound effects were going off, people were like laughing and having a great time with it. And when we came out, he walks right up to me and goes, Michael, see? They loved it. <laughs> Talking about the effects. And I was like, all right, Isaac, I'm going to let it go, man. Uh, you, you win. That's why you're the director. Well, I was a little surprised that you didn't like them. Just based on the fact that you are such a fan of uh, Dragon Lee movies. And it's kind of <laughs> like an homage to those because, you know, I think the one I think of most is Champ Against Champ, where he's got the metal leg. And when he's kicking, it makes that metallic clanging sound. I mean and infernal showdown is another one where he's doing sure. the hand things and it's just these sounds like i don't even know what these sounds are but yeah, okay so of, maybe when i came into that project i was coming in with a slightly snobbish attitude and i did not get that we were doing a kung fu movie so i i, I acquiesce okay I'm, <laughs> okay I'm on team michael here i i it took me out at the very beginning 
the the very opening action scene with the seals in action. Uh, I mean, I'm glued to the screen and I hadn't seen this movie. I mean, it came out 20 years ago. I probably haven't seen it in over 10 years. And I had forgotten that the opening scene was so different from the rest of the film. And I had forgotten all about the sound effects. And once they started hitting, I was confused. <laughs> yeah. It, 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 they grow. Well, I think they grew on me the first time I watched it. I was like, what? I was kind of the same way, but then it's kind right. of part of the charm of it. I think it makes it fun. Right. And you get the whole, I mean, you know, I, like I said, when I, when I, when I, in fact, when I came on to the film, I thought it was actually a sequel to the Charlie Sheen movie. <laughs> so, yeah. you know, I, I thought it was Navy. Yeah. I was like, oh, maybe I'm replacing Charlie Sheen here. <laughs> and so I didn't quite get the, the, the gist of it. But like I said, there were a couple, there was a group of people with Andy and the rest of them that were, I think, already on, on board. Going, okay, we're with Isaac. We know where we're going. And I'd seen Isaac's movies. When I went in and met with him for the film, I said, it was kind of funny because I'd said, right, we had an audition that was in Santa Monica, California. And I came in and Andy was there and Isaac was there. And, and uh, I walked up. I said, "I go, I go, Mr. Florentine. I just want to say I, I, I'm a big fan of Desert Kickboxer." And he goes, "Oh, I've done much better films since then, Michael." <laughs> Desert Kickboxer is a good one. I haven't seen that in, in so. Yeah, I think that was his first, or like almost his first. I mean, he did a short, a couple of short films before that, but it was like one of his first features. So, Chad, you mentioned we get to see the SEAL team in action as the movie begins. And you being our resident military expert, uh, any critiques for how realistic uh, this was? Well, uh, man. Sound I, I go, for it. go for it. Go for it. I, I'm not I'm not a, a Navy SEAL guy. You know, I, I didn't I didn't graduate through BUDS or go through any of that stuff. And uh, but yet. Yeah, the tactics kind of went out the window from the, from the word go when the movie started, which was fine. You know, the movie after my favorite thing about this movie, and, and I, I don't want to get too much into it now because we'll talk about it later is that it feels different from every other seal movie. It's not, it's not a sequel to Charlie Sheen and Michael Bean. It's, it's not just a shoot 'em up movie and it, it kind of goes a different path. And I was happy at that because in that opening scene, it didn't feel like you guys were a SEAL team. It felt like you weren't, you know what I mean? Like I know I've seen many of your films and I know what you can do and I know what Damien Chapa could do. So I was kind of like waiting for that from, from the start. So the opening scene, it is not great tactics. Let's just put it that way. You're talking about the whole night raid on the blowing up of the, the, the yes. yeah, that, that was actually, and actually that was the last day of shooting too. We actually shot the beginning of, that was the very last thing we shot. And my, did you do any, did you have to go through any kind of special uh, training for that, Michael? I, uh, so in terms of the fighting, one thing that was great about that film was that we did have a, a fairly long rehearsal time ahead of time. Like most of these films, whether it's Fist of Iron or, you know, To Be the Best, where we're literally in a parking lot outside of the Sands Hotel practicing fight scenes the night of the fight. You know what I mean? We're not like, I remember To Be the Best, for instance, just to throw us off a little bit, where I, all of the fighters were all downstairs in a parking lot under like a tar tarmac because it was burning hot up at that time. We're just going through the fights and our Camacho's kind of bopping. They're going, okay, that looks good. That looks good. That looks good. And I'm like, it was like the most chaotic thing. But with U.S. Seals too, we were, we were there, I think about, I want to say 10 days before we started shooting for, for an independent film was, was pretty good. And we were just rehearsing the fight scenes mainly, you know, we'd go to the, the university there and we were practicing the wire work and, and, 
I can tell you that even though I was a long-term connoisseur of, of Jackie's films and the, the current sort of flow of the martial arts films of that time, I'd been coming out of a lot of the independent, you know, films here in, in California and LA and America and the rhythm and the fights are done so differently, you know? And so when I got in there and there was this Andy's pace, you know, Andy's just out there and everything's boom, 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 boom. And then there's a stop pose. And then there's boom, 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 stop pose, you know? And it was this new rhythm and it took me a couple of days to kind of go, I get what you're doing. Okay, here we go. And, um, so that was, uh, yeah, we did have time in terms of the, the fights to, to get it down. Um, but in terms of the, you know, any Navy SEAL training, there was, you know, zero, <laughs> you know, zero Navy ex- SEAL <laughs> training. That, that could explain um, yeah. the, the and, t- lack of tactics. I guess. And that's always go. one of my biggest pet peeves in movies is, you know, I, I was in the army. It's not like I was a, you know, some badass Green Beret or anything, but we always okay, said, you could, service. Oh, thank you very much. We said, shoot, move and communicate. Those are the three things you can do. And if you do them on, on film and you do them well. You don't need to do anything else. Just shoot, aim a rifle as if you know how to use it and move as if you're trying to get to a point A to point B in a, in a fast manner. And then, you know, some sort of communication where you're not using your, your shooting hand to do hand signals, if you know what I mean. Yeah. Well, I do want to point out on that subject, cause I think it's important to, to note is that Marshall Teague was military. Marshall Teague has got a very interesting history. If you ever look him up, you should call him up and get him on your podcast. Because he, um, you know, he was the military soul of that movie. If there was going to be any military, you know, heartbeat within U.S. SEALs 2, you know, it was Marshall. I mean, so when he would get on there and he would do his stuff, he was very much sticking to what, you know, he's understanding he's in a fantasy world and he's dealing with terrorists and flips and, you know, all that kind of stuff. But he um, he would never have done anything that was not, you know, lined up with within his um, you know, his framework as being a military guy. So Marshall Teague to me is like uh, the continuation of William Smith. Yeah. And great. He's yeah, just the ultimate man. Mm-hmm. And he is, let me tell you something. I've known Marshall forever. That guy literally hunts his own meat. He, he, he cuts it up in his basement. He makes his own ammunition. I mean, he's got <laughs> in his ba- I kid you not in his basement, he puts his own bullets together. I was down there going, Oh my God, you are absolutely insane. <laughs> I saw a video of him with his bare hands hunting a wild boar. So mm-hmm. when I, when Marshall T comes up and he's the sweetest guy, I love him to death. You know, I mean, he plays a, a horrendous character many times, you know, but he is he's definitely the man's man. He's definitely the William Smith, that's for sure. The only other person I've ever seen make their own ammunition is Charles Bronson. In Death there, well, there you go. So that right there tells you something. Yep. <laughs> uh, you mentioned the wire work, Michael. Was that the first time you did any wire work? Yeah, that was the first time I had ever done um, any wire work. Same with Karen Kim. It was the first time she had, you know, Sophia and Dan and Mitch and those guys had been working with Andy a number of times, so they were already familiar with it, so... You know, it was the first time, you know, I was always like, I just want to fight. Can we just go out there and fight? You know what I mean? I don't want to get on wires. You know, I was like, I mean, I got it after a while. I was like, okay, I get it. We're going kind of big with it. And and so it was fun. It was good to learn, you know, but uh, it was the first time I'd ever done it. Right. And you mentioned Karen Kim, who who unfortunately passed away Mm -hmm. relatively young, uh, back in 2012, 44 years old. Uh, But she played dual characters, uh, twin, twin sisters of the, of your sensei. 
Yes. You're being, well, Casey Shepard, we should mention that. The one thing that the, the first scene did, while it may not have had the best SEAL tactics, we did get introduced to Casey Shepard, played by our guest Michael Worth and uh, Frank Ratliff, Damian Chapa. And we instantly see that Frank may not be all there. Something might, he has a few screws loose. As is true of Damien. Yeah. <laughs> so, I love Damien, just kidding. So uh, we meet uh, these these twins, and it's Nikki and Kamiko. And Nikki is silly, and uh, Kamiko is serious. And it's almost like they knew that at birth, because the names are quite different. I mean, Nikki yeah, sounds right. like something from a, a, a Prince song, and <laughs> Kamiko is more of a traditional Japanese name, so that yeah, point. Uh, but yeah, so and uh, so yeah, we meet that uh, meet. Well, we see Nikki; she's making a fool of herself at at a bar where Casey and Frank are, and and we see the difference the way you guys handle things too here because Casey, it kind of weighs on him what what's what went down at that mission, where Frank is like, oh, we we have a license to do whatever the hell we want because we're seals, right? Yep. Yep, there was that difference. And it was kind of interesting, too, because I remember very specifically when we're doing the funeral thing where the father, where George, you know, takes his own his own life. That couple of days where we were filming that scene, I had a, my lifelong dog my, I'd had for 16 years old. And she was up in, um, up in she was having to be put down while I was in Bulgaria and I couldn't be there. And it was, and I, and that when we were shooting that scene where I'm like walking up teary eyed to go to my sensei's, you know, or, or the, to rather to Nikki's uh, funeral, um, I was, I was like just having the hardest time, man. Cause I'm like, cause that was when she was being put down while I was shooting that scene. And so I just was like, I'm just gonna let these emotions come. So there was, uh, I, rem- I remember very specifically doing that scene for that reason. Yeah. At this point, Chad, the, the movie, once uh, Frank takes Nikki on that car ride, the movie got, took a real dark turn there for a moment. Yeah, it does get a little heavy there. Yeah, I mean, it really, you know, Nick, you said Nikki and Kimiko were kind of exact opposites of one another. Uh, and it turns out that Casey and Frank are the same way and that Casey is this honorable guy. And, you know, you're, you're at the funeral. Um, you're, you're standing up for Nikki and Kimiko whenever you can. And then Frank is obviously not doing that and you know going so far as to um to kill nikki um but yeah i mean it turns out that um the whole yin and yang i feel like you know it's really prevalent in this movie you think you kind of see it at the very beginning of the movie the way the action's happening where it's these massive explosions and trucks going everywhere and boats blowing up and rocket launchers and then by the end, it's just people punching each other in the face so (laughs) i felt like that quality was throughout the film the, the entire way yeah, and I can tell you that the 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 you know as you you may have guessed you know there was one of the things that after the audition that um, I was walking out you know you when you do an audition you never know if you got the part or not you get sometimes a sense or you think I did a good job or a bad job but as I was leaving the audition Isaac goes Michael I want you to go watch Once Upon a Time in the West and so when he <laughs> said that to me I walked out I was like oh, that's a good sign you know he's not going to tell me to go watch something if he's not. And sure enough, that was his thing to me. It was like, you're Charles Bronson from Once Upon a That's what he kept. And I remember as a gift to him when I showed up in Bulgaria, I gave him a, a Sergio Leone's biography. But um, I know that his, you know, he may have, he may borrow his own sometimes too much, maybe on the nose with it. But he was trying to borrow some of that sentiment that would go on in, in Once Upon a Time in the West and probably to some degree, you know, his other films. But that was the one he he cherished, uh, Isaac cherishes the most. 
And I think even when you watch that film, there's that sort of fluctuate, you know, you guys probably are familiar with it. You know, it's a, it's a great movie. I mean, it's a fantastic movie. Um, but yeah, there's a little bit, I think, of that dynamic going on in the characters that he had asked to, to be put in there. I did see that little trivia note on IMDb and actually had that to ask you, but you, you have now confirmed it. That is legit. Yes. Yeah. So the movie uh, fast forwards three years. Uh, we meet Major Nathan Donner, Mrs. Marshall uh, Teague, who we have talked about already here. Um, and he's assigned to protect world-renowned physicist Dr. Jane Burroughs. And here's a scene, Chad. I think the uh, COVID conspiracy people will uh, <laughs> enjoy because he injects her with a tracking chip. Oh, no. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. So, yeah, that, that, that probably would just... Uh, they were right. Yeah. The... <laughs> <laughs> they lend credence to that. So unfortunately for Donner, he kind of ends up doing a piss poor job of protecting her because it's like moments later that Frank and his crew, we got Sophia and Artie mm-hmm. show up. They ste- they kidnap her, steal a plane, and they're headed off to an island off the coast of Siberia. Yeah, um, it's like the moment she walks through the door, uh, <laughs> the security detail just disappears. Uh, but it works out perfectly. Yes, for the bad guys, sure. For us, yeah, for us and and for them. So, uh, and and basically, Frank's master plan is he's got two Russian stealth missiles, and he's going to blackmail the the United States for $1 billion, (laughs) as Dr. Evil might say. Um, And now I have a question for you, Michael. Yes. I felt like this was a little bit of art imitating life. Because Major Donner and Admiral Patterson come to Casey Shepard and kind of recruit him. And to me, it felt like, uh, you know, you had been away from the martial arts movie scene for a bit at this point. It almost was like they were pulling you back in. And you even had that line, sometimes a man finds more than one calling in life, which uh, that's like Michael Worth to a T. There you go. Yeah, well, you're it's all, true. You're, you're, you're a jack of all trades. You're a renaissance man. I'm <laughs> Well, you know, it's funny. I, I, you know, I came into this business because I just wanted to make movies, you know, and I didn't even know if I was going to be an actor or a writer, you know, like right now I've been living this life more or less as a writer with Dolph, you know, Dolph Lundgren and I are working on a project. So it's like, I, I, I enjoy that fluctuation. Now I admit, you know, that because of my, my love for martial arts and action that I've, as of the last couple of years, particularly, I've got a bunch of really kind of hardcore action things in, in the, the pipeline that I really want, I'm trying to get off the ground and to do again. But yeah, at that point I had, there was a number of, because you got to remember, this is still the kickboxing era, right? I had been asked to do like three or four more movies where I had to go into a ring and avenge my best friend or whatever. And I just was like, I can't do, if you have me fighting without a freaking ring, I will consider it. And so when this came along, I was like, okay, good. Thank God. There's like, you know, it's on, in a, like you said, like on a, a, it's kind of enter the dragon on the Island where we can't use weapons. And, and, um, and I, like I said, I knew Isaac and I knew he was a real martial artist. Cause most of the times when I'm working with, I mean, God bless him, you know, whether it's, you know, Joseph Murray or Richard Munchkin or whoever that, that are on Acapulco heat or whatever I was doing, these guys that would do action, they, you know, they like action movies, but he was a martial artist. So I knew there was going to be a certain, certain element he was going to lend to the film that other martial artists and action aficionados would come in and, and pick up on. And, you know, luckily they did. I think at that point, Drive, the Mark, uh, Mark's film, the Coscos' film, right. had, um, you know, was sort of like the American, the first American 
interpretation of a Hong Kong thing, you know, like that Hong Kong idea and tone. And then I think Seals was kind of the second time it, it came along, like it's sort of its follow up in that sort of, you know, by using Andy and his his ideas. Um, but anyway, yeah. So that you're right there. I think there was a little bit of that art imitating life or maybe life about to imitate art, you know, but yeah. Yeah. And you Casey blows them off at first until you find out Frank is behind it. And then you, then you're all on board. But Chad, I know Michael mentioned that island. I know that was mm-hmm. one of the things you liked most about the uh, the movie was that the, the gimmick they did with this island. Yeah, it was probably my favorite thing about the film was that, like I said earlier, it it, it was something different. It, it, you know, they had the island, they had the gimmick with the methane and the atmosphere, so you weren't able to use guns. You couldn't have all these explosions, which set it apart from every other Navy SEALs, U.S. SEALs, American SEALs, every other special operations movie that's ever existed that I could think of. So it, it was really cool. I mean, obviously people can sit there and poke holes in anything, <laughs> right. but um, I mean, I mean, so, there's yeah, swords clanging together can cause yeah, sparks. Giant chains. Yes, yes. We noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, if you're an asshole, you're going to do that, but you can just sit there and enjoy the movie. And it's funny how it's become such a huge compliment when you say uh, it feels like a Hong Kong action movie. And, and that's the first you know thing that I thought of when I'm watching. Oh, it feels like a Hong Kong movie. And that, that it's such a massive compliment that you don't hear it. Um, you hear it more now than you probably did in the late nineties and two thousands. So it makes it that much more special that, you know, this movie's 20 years old and it was getting that compliment back then. So it's pretty cool. Yeah. Good. I'm glad. Yeah. I'm, I'm, and I'm glad that it, you know, it endears even in its campy way, you know, it's, it's, it's fun to have been, a uh, you know, have a, worked and been a part of that particular um you know in that time when they were doing those that film and you know it was great bulgaria was just such a great place to shoot it in too you know i was going to ask you because when you guys and we're skipping ahead a little bit here but like when you guys get out get to the island and you look out and you just see like this rundown industrial setting and it's like is bulgaria really this bleak well, it is in some parts. That's what's so crazy about it. And that the and I remember that specifically because we had just finished shooting a bunch of the stuff that's in the cavern when we first when you uh, when we first parachute in and we're like kind of going through these caverns. That was shot in an old dam that was like you know we're talking hundreds of years old, and it was freezing in there. If you look at some of the behind the scenes shots, you can just see we're all wearing these old big jackets. But then the next day we shot there for like three days, I guess three or four days, something like that. When we went to the cement factory, which is where you're talking about, it was like burning hot. So it was like we went <laughs> to these two extremes. But there are parts of Bul- that's what's interesting about Bulgaria. It's got this slightly old communistic world aspect to it. And then you come down to the discotheques and the high, you know, <laughs> these high, these re- it's like weird. You know, you'll go from people pulling uh, like carts on mules up on the hill and you go down and then, it's your, then you get these incredible cars. It's just such a like woo, stark extreme but um yeah parts of bulgaria are definitely uh i mean they picked the obviously the hardcore right. i mean just as an example of something on that note um we were there <laughs> this is so weird i i'm not going to get this story 100 right but sophia we all went out sophia and dan and a bunch of us went out and somebody ripped stole pickpocketed sophia crawford and got her wallet so she goes back to the production she goes hey when we we're out last night you know, somebody stole my wallet. She told the production. So however, the production was hooked up. They made a phone call somewhere. <laughs> Sophia gets a call. Hey, Sophia, you're, you're going to go to this address. 
she goes to this address. It was like a freaking empty warehouse or something, you know, she like walks in and there's this guy there at a table and he's like, you know, you so big. She's like, yeah. And he's like, we got your wallet back for you. And she's like, thank you. It was like the, it was like the full on mafia. Somebody <laughs> like put in a word at the production. Hey, one of your, one of, somebody in the city, they went out like instantly found whoever the little rabbit was running around pickpocketing and got, who, who knows if he's still around or she, <laughs> but uh, anyways, that, uh, that story always stuck out of my head, but um but uh, yes, it, Bulgaria, very interesting. But I went back many years later and did a uh, Jabberwock there with um, Mark uh, Lester's production, uh, probably about 10 years later. But um, it didn't change that much. It was pretty much the same. <laughs> I spent like three days in Sofia, Bulgaria. That was it. That's in, where the, we're. in the early 2000s. And the first thing that anyone said to us when we were going out on, on, on the town was everything is controlled by the mob here. Don't yeah. look at anybody. Don't say anything that can get you killed. And I was like, holy crap. <laughs> and it make it even a little more confusing there. You, you nod for no and you shake your head for yes. You know, it's like if you, it's, you got to kind of get in the rhythm, like, wait a minute. So if I'm trying to say yes, I got to shake my head. <laughs> it's, it's so funny. So you mentioned uh, Dan Southworth, uh, another uh, notable kind of martial artist that, that uh, fans may be recognized. I know you recognize him from a WMAC Masters, Chad, was Hakeem Alston. Who played Omar? Oh, yeah. yeah, it was funny because I when I went over there, I was got on my plane in L.A. and I, I remember I kept looking over and I saw this guy and he was kind of like sitting in the seat and he's playing with his hair and you know doing his deal and I kept watching him. I was going, I bet that's one of the actors on it. And we got to Germany and I was watching him strut around the airport. This guy's got to be one of the actors. He's just got the total actor. And then we're getting ready to go. I go, hey, are you uh, working on this movie? He's like, yeah, I'm down Dan Southworth. It's <laughs> like, oh, hey, Michael Worth, we must be related somewhere. <laughs> and uh, I love Dan. Dan, I mean, I've used Dan in a number of movies since then. He's 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 a great guy. And but Hakeem, because that's where you were going next, was uh, he? I love Hakeem. As a matter of fact, uh, I just want to bring up before wherever you go with it. If you watch the behind the scenes that I shot while I was there, uh, you know, I was goofing around with a video camera. I think it was actually Karen Kim's camera. I think I was just using her camera. I can't remember, but um, there's a. He and I, we I'll point out some scenes in that movie that we were all laughing our asses off and then trying to get serious for the shots. And there's a couple of giveaways where you can actually see us laughing or like not trying to be seen on camera. But the, the behind the scenes where Hakeem and I are fighting, because <laughs> he would always go, what you talking about, Willis? He would always <laughs> do that, you know, and we would just laugh so hard. So if there's a scene where I, I'm fighting him in the in between these lockers, and you see the behind the scenes of it. And I keep laughing. And he was looking at me. I keep laughing. You hear Isaac going, Michael, what's wrong? Michael, what's wrong? <laughs> Anyways, Hakeem's great. He's, he was a lot of fun. Yeah, you got the little pool cue battle uh, yeah. in, in the bar, which was nice. That pool hall scene, you know, that scene you were talking about earlier where, where I'm in the bar with Damien and we're talking about Nikki and she's dancing and stuff. That was filmed downstairs, the part with uh, Nikki in the bar. Above that, was the pool hall and oh. i was literally going back and forth up and down because andy was shooting the action scene upstairs and isaac was shooting the drama scene downstairs and they kept throwing me upstairs downstairs i'd be working on fight 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 and i come back down okay to talk my zoom i said go back up fight 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 come back down and do it, it was it was <laughs> crazy but anyways that was that was a lot of back and forth there well that's probably why you look so like t tired and down yeah, that's you probably right. the dramatic scene you just you just had no energy Chad, I know you're a big fan 
I'm biased. I have probes. Yeah. And, and so when you saw Hakeem in here, you were probably just overjoyed. Overjoyed is the right term. Yes. Yeah. I'm a huge Hakeem Alston fan and WMAC, WMAC masters was, was the show when I was a kid. Uh, mm-hmm. I loved it. It didn't last long, near long enough. And I've always waited all these years for them to kind of do something similar. And they never really have, which is surprising to me because there's so many great stuntmen out there and great martial artists out there. But, uh, yeah, as soon as he came on, on screen, I was like, he has to be a bad guy at some point because, you know, you just want to see him fight against you. You want to see him fight against Marshall. I want to see him and uh, Kamiko go at it. So uh, I was I was happy. I'd forgotten so much of this movie because it had been so long since I'd seen it. So on the rewatch, I was like, oh, thank goodness that Hakeem turned to the dark side. <laughs> yes, he does. He does. He yeah. takes, he's all about the money. He's all about the money. Uh, we also he find is. out that uh, Major Donner is going to be on this mission. Whether you know Casey doesn't want Casey's like you know the little alpha battle of the alphas there for a bit. Yeah, um, and we get the cool air gun. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's what right. A, what? What? Who? Who came up with this? I mean, this is a <laughs> interesting. It was an Isaac. I think it was an Isaac idea, either Avi or Isaac. I don't know who you know kind of injected it in there, or maybe wait, Michael January wrote it, right? Michael January. Yeah. So maybe I don't know. It could have been, but I remember it coming. It being a real special part of their you know idea, and, and Marshall was just all about it. He loved it. Yeah, it definitely. Again, it's one of those things that you've only seen it in U.S. Seals too. You're not going to see that right. anywhere That's else. True. It makes it very unique. Very. It, unique. And I think that. I think that Casey, I think that Michael had a, a line in it. I don't, I don't, I don't want to paraphrase it because I can't even come close to it. But he says something about, um, you know, why didn't you just send the seals in, or the, you know, we're not seals anymore, or something like that. And you know, in my head, I'm thinking that's true. Why wouldn't they just send in SEAL Team Six or whoever? But the more I thought about it, this mission is so unique that you didn't need a bunch of guys in there blowing shit up. You needed a bunch of fighters a bunch of martial artists so i had to talk i talked myself through it the whole time i was watching i was like this is genius this is brilliant so by the end i was loving it even more and then one of the big biggest action scenes in here is that whole showdown with everybody kind of in the square of all these buildings and and you got frank watching from above like the kind of the roman emperor right that was a cement yeah that was the cement factory yeah and that was where, and that again was an example, like Isaac would split it off. There was two, we had two units going at once. Isaac would shoot some of the fight scenes and Andy would shoot some of the others. So this is not like just one, you know, like once that initial thing started where, where, where Dan gets stuck in the bear trap and then, you know, the whole thing starts in the fight, that courtyard fight was, you know, Isaac and Andy coordinating. But then once we all run off in different directions, then, you know, I, uh, Andy would be off shooting Hakeem and Sophia fighting. And then I'd be off with um, with uh, with Isaac doing the fight scenes with the guys, with with Karen, you know. And so there was a it was the only way they could get it done. I mean, there was so much action in that movie. And I think we had 18 days from once they started shooting to to finish it up, 16 or 18, something like that. You know, they knew they had to have two units going. Yeah, definitely one of the the more memorable uh, action scenes in the movie, and it also kind of just really thinned out the roster. Chad, we we just we lose a lot of guys here. It was very much. Uh, it reminded me so much of like a Power Rangers scene because all the henchmen that were running around were kind of like the uh, uh, the putties or whatever they were called, like the you know nameless, faceless guys that got punched and exploded or whatever. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, the the heroes really took them down at quite a clip. 
but we did lose uh, a couple of our buddies in the process. I believe uh, uh, Finley and Harper both both fell. You know, yeah, right? Poor well, and them. with Finley, with Finley was um, oh yeah, right. That I forget the actor's name. He was the guy, the one of the few we pulled in from. I want to point this out before we leave it because we were talking about it earlier. That scene where he dies, where he gets he gets stabbed with that big old knife, and then we go up to where the computers are. I think it was right afterwards, and we're like talking about something with the missiles. I guess we were. It was me, Dan, Karen, Hakeem, Mitch. Right, we're all up there talking. Next time you guys watch the film, go back and watch that scene specifically because we had what had happened was. Karen Kim had come on the set and Karen Kim's from Orange County. You know what I mean? She was just like, you know, like a total Valley girl. Right. But she hadn't shot her scene yet as the character in front of Hakeem. And so we got up, she was, we were out there and we started filming and all of a sudden she busts out that Japanese accent of hers. And Hakeem looks over while we're shooting and just starts cracking up. He cannot, he's like, what the, and there's just, that's my accent. And we all were all started laughing. So when you watch that scene, we could not, every time she would go into it, now we were all hyper-focused on that accent and thinking about Hakeem, uh, Hakeem feeling. So if you watch the scene, but my specifically wanted to point out anybody listening to this, you'll see Dan, he's like looking over at me. And I'm la- off camera, laugh, trying not to laugh. So you see Dan say his line. It cuts to Hakeem or cuts to somebody. When it cuts back to Dan, look at him. He's totally turned backwards. He's turned his face entirely away from the camera. So it's just for no reason. It's the back of his head because he's laughing so hard. So it's a, it sort of sticks out, which is kind of funny. Um, but then the other thing you were mentioning was, was with... Um, uh, Mitch, when Mitch Gould's character, which is Harper, right? Yeah. He, I was like, I remember saying, Mitch, I'm sorry, you had to, you had to die here, man. He, and he was like, so happy. He's like, Mike, I hate <laughs> acting. I hate <laughs> acting. I just want to fight. I just want to fall off buildings. I just want to get thrown through windows. And so uh, he was, he was perfectly fine dying there. All right. Well, the other, I mean, even bigger action scene is the big finale. Uh at this point, it's you know basically down to uh, we've got you and, and Kamiko and uh, Frank and Sophia. Although Artie does pop in, and I wanted to know where the hell was Artie this whole time? Like he just kind of shows up. But anyway, yeah, He's bleaching his hair. Apparently, yes, perhaps so. But yeah, if you ever wanted to see Michael Worth and Damian Chapa have a sword fight in a shower, U.S. Seals Two <laughs> is the movie for you, folks. Oh, my God, that sh- first off, that shower is hilarious because. <laughs> Sophia has a scene earlier in it where she's taking a shower in yes. there. And I rem- I'll always remember they were filming that scene. And at one point I was like, whatever I was doing, hanging out, eating lunch or whatever. And I, and they're filming that scene. And I walked around a corner and I look, and there was like this, like, like a hole in the wall or something. And there was like five people looking through it. I'm going, <laughs> what is going on? I walk over there and it's two women, like two women and three of the guys. And I go, what are you guys doing? And I go, what? And I look and there's poor Sophia totally standing there naked. <laughs> going, you guys get out of here. But um, uh, I got to tell you guys something. The hardest fight scene I ever did was shooting that shower scene. Because if you've ever tried to do a fight scene, even with the water coming up to your ankles, it's like lifting 20 pound weights on your feet. It was so, so hard. Yeah. And then the big, the big death of Frank. I mean, that is another oh, thing. Lord. Yes. <laughs> Just splitting him in half with the sword. I mean, 
Again, where else do you see that but U.S. Seals 2? I can tell you, the the screaming we had in Hollywood, that got a huge applause. I mean, when he was getting chopped in half, I think people were so shocked that we just cut Damien Choppa in half. <laughs> I remember we were doing it, Damien's going, I can't bring my kids to this. You're like shoving a sword up my groin. And I'm like, oh, it's okay, Damien. They'll love it. Um, but it, it did. It got a huge, I mean, like the whole theater erupted. It was so, I think, because nobody was expecting it. I no. Mean, it was so crazy, no. you know. It was a great, I admit, that is a great moment in the film. Uh, yeah, I mean, and there was like crazy shit the whole way through, but then it's like, oh, wait a minute. Topped it off. Yeah, we we, we can do you one better for sure, and, and they certainly did. So, fantastic death for Frank. I got Yes, and he didn't even use a Dan Southworth. That's the other thing you should know is Dan was, would be his stunt double. Dan Southworth would double for Damien. So there's a couple scenes where I'm fighting Damien, but it's really Dan. Well, the movie ends on such a high note too, because right after the death of Frank, it's kind of, it, that's pretty much it. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, which Casey's, is great. Yeah. He's stuck in the sub with two beautiful women. Oh, what a shame. Because yeah, he's our hero. Yeah. Poor me. And that weird little sub. Yeah. We also get the a little tribute to the fallen. Uh, those we lost. Right at the end. Yeah. That was uh, Isaac's little touch there. Kind of had almost a little bit of a, a predator feel, but yeah. Yeah. And which anytime you can have Another something compliment. with a predator feel, it's a good thing. Yeah. One of my favorite movies. This is why you're on this podcast, Michael. Because, I mean, that's if you would have said you hated that movie, I don't know. We'd, we might have to just scrap the whole episode. But oh, no, yeah. Like, you're right. That's a good point. That is a, a litmus test for, <laughs> for a true action <laughs> fanatic. It's true. Yeah. <laughs> Chad Cruz, your final thoughts on U.S. Seals 2. Uh, you know what? I'm. I'm very happy that that we were able to, to to have this podcast to have Michael on with us again. Uh, I think the last time we had him on was at like episode three. Episode three, yeah, we're up to episode thirty-eight. What what the hell were we talking about on that? We just Fist of Iron. Oh, we were okay. There we go. Yep. You know, we had a little bit of a break in between, and and it, like I said, it's been so long since I'd watched U.S. Seals two that, uh, and I'd forgotten so much about it that it was like the first time I'd ever seen it. So. It was just perfect timing, and like I said, I I had a great time with it, and man, I can't believe that it came out in two thousand one. <laughs> yeah, twenty years. Yeah, 20- before uh, before New Image became uh, Millennium, you know, it's like yeah. back in the back when they they were very much at that point following that PM Entertainment sort of strategy. That was like a movie a month, a movie a month, a movie yeah. a month. And and so many of the guys who started it and worked there were Canon guys. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, so, they yeah. were right down the street from Cannon too. When I was, we were on Sunset at that time. But yeah, I learned a lot. I'll tell you, you know, watching them work and and watching uh, PM work and um, you know, I never worked for Cannon. That was a little you know before my time. I did right. go in there actually. I went in there, met with them one time for a, trying to get a script done. Oh, and Monaco, uh, you got to meet with Monaco. Yes, yep, yep. Uh, didn't go anywhere, but it was fun to go in there and just have that you know that conversation. All right. Any other uh, final stories you want to share about USC Seals 2 before we wrap up, Michael? Well, I will say that everybody, you know, it's like, like I, I said, it's special for me for a lot of reasons. You know, one is that, you know, I, I, it's a number of those people I only worked with at one time, you know, like Sophia and I actually did a number. We actually worked on Buffy. I did a bunch. She'd bring me on to Buffy the Vampire Slayer every once in a while. So I got to work with her a few times after that. But, uh, you know, uh, Karen Cam, I used in a number of movies since and, 
um, you know, Hakeem, I never got to work with again, which was uh, too bad, but I, he's a, be happy to know, a really nice guy. Uh, and Isaac, you know, I always wanted to work with, in fact, I can tell you that when I had finished it, I had such a good time with it. I started to pitch a, a sequel to them. I'd come up with us seals three. I said, we got it. We got, I got it. I know what we're going to do, you know, and I went in and we didn't get it anywhere, but I put a treatment together. I was talking with Isaac about it. And, yeah, you know, as it goes, it just uh, it didn't go. But I, you know, I, Bulgaria was great. One of my favorite filming experiences. Um, you know, Andy's a, a a pure nutty joy to work with. I mean, it's uh, <laughs> you know, that guy's energy is like crazy through the roof. Um, and Damien, Damien was funny thing about Damien on that is you know here he is playing the bad guy. It was great because I think we all were giving him a hard time the entire time, like pushing him around a lot because he was the bad guy <laughs> so he really was kind of pushing around on the outside you know and it was it was uh we were playing the i think we were doing the richard dreyfus uh you know roy shy i mean uh robert shaw thing uh, but um anyways great great sophia was great loved the loved the town and uh, uh glad to have done the, you know glad everybody still enjoys the movie you know glad you guys brought me on to talk about it, it was kind of fun to go back and remember that it was freaking 20 years 20 ago. ago 20 years ago <laughs> yep well yeah and thank you once again uh for giving us all these interesting tidbits and only things that we could learn from you michael so that's yes all appreciate it um so we're going to wrap things up just want to remind everybody if you want to follow bulletproof action on social media we are at bulletproof pod on twitter and at bulletproof action on instagram and facebook and michael of course uh, you have all sorts of social media. Uh, I believe it's at Bruce Bloitation on Facebook. Well, one of the pretty, yeah, you, you can find our, our, our production stuff that we're doing with the books and the events. And we've got a, a big, you know, slew of Blu-rays coming out of these old Kung Fu movies that I've been producing and working on in the documentary. You can find all that on the Bruce Bloitation Bible, Bruce Lee clones. I think it says on that, cause that was the, the, the main on project Twitter, we yeah. were doing. Yeah. Twitter. Michael Worth is on Twitter, just my, my own everything else that I do. Um, and yeah, if you were watching the uh, Bruce Lee clones recently, you would have seen a <laughs> flukishly weird accident. I did. Where, yeah, we had a, a movie that, that was put up, um, The Butterfly Guard, that, or it's not, I mean, it's not finished, but it was like part of it was put up on there. It just totally got tweeted out by a fluke of iPhone butt dialing <laughs> that just, be careful, man, when you use that phone, it just, it literally was like three buttons. You had to hit like share with Twitter. Are you sure you want to share? Are you positive you want to share? And somehow all three of them got hit and somebody's, it was either mine or my post-production supervisors, you know, but anyways, but um, yes, you can find me Michael Worth, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, that's an outlaw and uh, Bruce Plotation Bible is also on um, on Instagram and you will find updates on the book coming out, the documentary that's coming out and all the uh, blue. For those of you into Kung Fu movies, we're doing our best to get as many of them we can uh, up and going. Yeah. And I, I actually did see that tweet and I'm like, Oh cool. This is, and I clicked, I saw about a couple minutes of, I'm like, I'm not going to watch this whole movie. Number one, it was late when it came out, at least over here in my neck of the woods. Yeah. And I'm like, I don't want to watch this on my phone. I'll, I'll, you know, cast it to my TV tomorrow. And then when I went the next day to get it, like, yeah, the link is dead. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure it got seen by a few people, but it will be out soon anyway. It's coming out pretty soon. It's uh, It just wasn't quite finished. <laughs> but I made me think of the Justice League. I went, okay, the Justice League did it too, so I guess it's not going to be too bad. 
I had just assumed that you had gotten one of those implant chips, like in the movie. I might have. And, and someone hacked it. So that's what I assumed. Oh, my God. Well, I'm staying away from that stuff. If, if I can indulge you on one non-action related question. Yes. We have a, a question from one of our loyal followers on Bulletproof Action. Oh, it's okay. Paul from L.A. And he wants to know what it was like auditioning for Halloween 6. Oh, yes. Halloween 6. That was fun. You know, it was like I, I got really close. We, I went in a couple of times. I did that in uh, Santa Monica. I went down there, did it once. I came back a second time and when I was there and Paul was Paul Rudd was there and a couple other people were there. And, and um, I mean, who the hell? I don't know who put that online, though. Somebody stuck it up online. It's so funny to watch it now because you're thinking he's having me pull my shirt off. And he was like, I'm going, did, I can't remember. I'm going, did he make me take my shirt off? And I'm thinking to myself, I don't know if people can get away with that today. I mean, I, you know, what do I give a crap? But it's like, I, I can't remember if the, if, if the, Paul took his shirt off in the movie or not, but anyway, um, it was fun. You know, it's like part of this, part of the deal. I actually wanted to do it really badly because I wanted to work with Donald Pleasance. That was the whole reason I wanted to do that movie. I just would have loved to have talked to great escape with him. You know, when I was, you know, I'd known James Garner for a while and I used to talk great escape with him all the time. Um, but, uh, didn't happen, but it was another one of those, one of those close calls in the, in which there are, you know, you stick around in this business long enough, you get a few of them. All right. Well, thank you. And thank you again for joining us. And again, everybody, if you are a Kung Fu theater fan from way back, check out the Basher box. You can order it right now on Amazon. And Chad, next time here on the podcast, we are going to be talking about the King of the Kickboxers. Oh, nice. Lauren. What a way to follow this one up. Uh, I think, King of the Kickboxers is is my number one Lauren Avedon film. Love that uh, guy. So many great fight scenes in it. Nobody, so many nobody could emote like Lauren. So Avedon. many wonderful acting scenes. There, are, somewhere great. actually online, there's a one of the karate tournaments I fought in when I was probably about 19, 18, 19. I'm, I'm fighting. Billy Blanks is fighting the the ring next to me, and I'm fighting in, a, in a, the one next to him. Somewhere out there on that's online, but that is awesome. That's a great, yeah, that's a great movie. So that's something to look forward to, Action Fanatics. Um, I'm looking forward to it. I know that. Thank you again, Michael. My pleasure, guys. Thanks for, uh, thanks for asking. And I'm telling you, get, get Marshall on here. You want a guy to talk stories. Oh, do, yeah. do one of his movies. again. I know you've covered two of them so far, but find Marshall. Do Roadhouse or something. Oh, yeah. That would be one. Of, yeah, that's probably one of his all-time greatest. Yeah. All right. Well, Chad, thank you as always as well. Even of though course. you you're just kind of committed to being here. Uh, that's all right. Uh, so he thank you. Well. He does. <laughs> he absolutely does. And I want to thank everybody for listening. And as always, stay tuned for more of the Bulletproof Podcast. You're listening to the Geekscape Network. 